You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy Friday to you if you're joining us live. Uh, happy to have you with us as we go through a number of Bengals questions on your minds. You have sent our way, whether it's via email, via text, uh, call, Twitter. Uh, we have the comment section on cincyjungle.com. We've got a couple of comments there. We'll be patrolling that. And then, of course, the live comment sections on either Facebook or our YouTube channel. So get those questions to us. If you want to give us a call or shoot us a text, 949-542-6241. If you want to give us an email, the obinsider at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at BanglesOBI. And as I mentioned, you can get in touch with us the other ways via cincyjungle.com, etc. So get get them to us. We're going to try and charge through as many as we can. But first, I got to say hello to my co-host John Sheeran. John, it's it's been a long time since we've talked. It's been a whole absolutely. Gosh, I don't know, eighteen hours, twelve hours, something like that. Uh, how you been doing, man? I I have some good news that I want to share with you and the listeners. I uh, just got my credentials for the the Senior Bowl in three weeks, and we're me and me and Good Barry are making some plans of, of meeting up that back back there again. So officially. Orange and Black Insider is going to have presence at the Senior Bowl for the second year in a row. So good news nice, there. Nice, nice. Uh, of course, you you did not tell me this before we we got on the air, so you're just surprising everybody. Um, the other thing, uh, there was another piece of info. Uh, I thought maybe you wanted to share, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But uh, at any rate, that's awesome. Uh, very stoked on that, and uh, we'll we'll have to make some arrangements in terms of having you bring us some. Uh, coverage on that so awesome awesome man um good stuff and that'll be a that'll be a good event with a lot of players that'll probably you may you'll probably get in with some players that the Bengals may may target and or draft so that's pretty Mm. awesome man uh that's awesome good for you absolutely so let's dive into these questions yeah yeah where do you want to start uh i want to start with with this text that we got from the nine nine zero one area code um just because it's hilarious what would the city of Cincinnati do if Mike Brown extended Andy Dalton? You want you want you want to take that to start? Oh boy, we're just starting this thing off on the uh, the right foot here, huh? Uh, they would they would well, I you know the city of Cincinnati. I, I would be tempted to say they would riot, but because the city of Cincinnati has so many Ohio State fans, many of them, and, and we're still getting questions today and, and leading up to this episode about Chase Young because Chase Young did just officially declare for the NFL draft. So, you know, part of me would say the city would riot, but because the city has so many Ohio State fans, and if the Bengals extended Andy Dalton, that would likely mean that they would be drafting Chase Young. There would probably be a contingent that would be very happy with that decision, 
not the majority I would I would think, but uh, I, I that would be a very 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 divisive move, and probably not one that you'd want to make right away, uh, right off the bat. If Mike Brown does it, I think that's even more of an of an excuse to throw toilet paper on Paul Brown Stadium because somehow he managed to secure more power in in a process where he's slowly losing power. So what a like obviously there be people will be mad because this is a slam dunk opportunity for them. And if they miss this opportunity, then they have every right to be pissed. But yeah, like they, they have no reason to do this. And that yeah, like they're going to ride if, if this happens, especially if my, if it's Mike Brown's final call on this and, and how he's like strong arming his, his children out of the decision-making. So yeah. Right. Yeah. The other thing too, John is, you know, Burroughs an Ohio kid himself. So, you know, I mean, that's that's a guy that is is kind of known as a homegrown product a little bit um and you know i mean you're you're kind of if it's if it's all about the hometown kid right um, you know there's an element there that that would make sense for burrow we do have before we get to more of our questions we do have our good friend terrell on the line terrell how are you buddy how you guys doing we're doing good man how about yourself Happy New Year, man. Thanks for calling. Always good to hear from you. Appreciate the the comments and the insight. It's good timing that you're giving out those awards because we started our awards uh, last uh, on our last episode. Thanks, Terrell. Um, so, John, uh, you know, the, there's there was some talk here about uh, I think we got a text maybe um, from somebody saying, you know, what if Joe Burrow decides not, you know, to, to not play for the Bengals or he makes it known he doesn't want to play for the Bengals. Of course, that's, you know, something that it comes up at this point in time, but we mentioned he's a, he's a hometown kid. I don't, I don't really see that happening. We talked about that a little bit, I think on a listener questions episode previous, but to his major point, uh, about Pratt, uh, I, I saw some nice things, uh, from him, the final few games when he really got increased snaps, especially when Preston Brown got out of the picture, you know, you started to see glimpses and then towards the end, it was kind of consistency, consistency. Um, how do you feel about him, how he ended the season and where he may be headed? I, I personally kind of view him as, you know, if you have a decent core of linebackers, he's probably going to be a solid number two, kind of a, a guy in that core that can make some plays, but you still need that maybe a stud there next to him but he's always going to be solid. That's kind of my take. What do you think? 
Terrell asked the best questions without ever really asking a question. I always <laughs> respect that from him. Um, but yeah, like Pratt is the reason why you go into this offseason with linebacker being a knee, but it's not as pressing of a need as you once thought it was. When they released Preston Brown and Pratt was still struggling and Nick Vigil was looking like the old Nick Vigil, you were thinking there's no way that they're going to return any of these guys back to the team next year. That is going to be a complete and total reset. And for the most part, I think that's still going to happen. You're still going to probably see a linebacker signing for agency, some linebacker drafted in the first five or so rounds. Um, maybe you still have to decide what you're going to do with Nick Vigil. Maybe you bring him back and approve a deal. But Pratt is the guy that you have the most confidence in building around going forward into the future because of the things that he showed in the last half of the season. And in the first half, it was a lot of mistakes in space and in coverage. He was giving up some big plays. He was just a lot of miscommunication there and just not really trusting his eyes. And as a senior bowl guy, he was one of the most impressive guys I saw down the senior bowl because he, he would just play as – faster than anybody else and it, it wasn't like he ran this blazing 40 but his playing speed was just on the next level when he knew where to go when he would stay in his fits and he would be comfortable playing in his gaps and whatnot he was just so impressive in, in college as a limited starter and once he finally getting more experience in the nfl you saw that playing speed translate and as a run defender he was so dominating of getting downhill and, and going from sideline to sideline to sideline and you start to see him more comfortable in space in those short zones and coverage so you would like to think that he would take this momentum going into next year and be that solid starter maybe you play him next to Nick Vigil for one more year on, on like a one-year proven deal or like you said or like Terrell said maybe you get some, some other guy to help him bring out the best of him in, in his true position so he's the reason why you don't completely utterly blow up this linebacking group he's the reason why you have some faith in this position group going forward yeah yeah I, I agree and like I said I don't I don't know that he's ever I like the Brian Simmons comparison I don't know that he's ever and granted Simmons was a first round pick and and was a very valuable player played like all of the linebacker positions for the Bengals over many years but um, I don't think the ceiling is as high as a Brian Simmons for Jermaine Pratt but like I said I think he's going to be a steady guy he's going to make the plays he needs to make he's not going to maybe give you the wow 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 plays but he's going to um, you know, kind of solidify a group that needs some anchoring. Where do you want to go next, John? We're, we're going to stay on the topic of linebackers. We're going to uh, answer a question that we got on Twitter from at do the, and he's asked, what are the odds the Bengals sign a free agent linebacker like linebacker Corey Littleton? How much do you think his salary would be? So Littleton is the guy that's getting the most buzz, I guess, for Bengals fans about a potential acquisition at the position because he's, he's been with the Rams since 2016. He was an undrafted free agent in 2016. The thing, though, here is that he was in, he um, entered restricted free agency last season. He got, I think, the same tender that Trey Hopkins got, like maybe like a second round tender, get like $3 million this year. So he's entering restricted free agency again, and the Rams have the option to either tender him again with something where the Bengals have to give up like some type of draft pick or some have to match that contract, or they could just give him an outright um, multi-year extension. And, you know, he's, he played extremely well this year. He was almost really a pro bowl snub for that defense. One of the reasons why that defense still maintains some sense of relevancy when they were, when they weren't doing so well, but the connection with Taylor obviously makes sense. I think you have to, you, you have to expect if he's going to get an extension somewhere in the range of a Jordan Hicks type deal, because similar experience, similar production towards the later part of that rookie contract. So somewhere in the range, I would say of seven to $9 million would probably be fair. That's like the high end of, of where he's getting. They could uh, tender him again and basically have the Bengals be out of luck in that sense. But he does, he makes sense with the connection with Taylor and whatnot. And, uh, and obviously with, 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 with what they want to do. So, that's a target, definitely for sure, but it's going to take a contract that's similar that they weren't willing to give a guy like Jordan Hicks last year. 
Yeah, and here's here's the thing. If you look at his stats here, we've got that pulled up for those uh, looking at the video, either joining us live or later on on the YouTube or Facebook account. Um, I mean, six passes defended in the first three weeks. Granted, you're playing a Carolina team with Cam Newton and a New Orleans team with Drew Brees in those first two games. Um, but two, and then Baker Mayfield the next week who likes to wing the ball around. But six passes defended the first three games, um, you know, it looks like uh, nine total on the year. So, I mean, that's, that's something you, you want out of this group. Um, this, this group needs to be more active in pass defense. He had two interceptions that helps your team a lot. Um, you know, you look at the combined tackles, six occasions, six games, he had double digit total tackles. Now, some of those stats could be misleading, as we know, John, right? I mean, you know, a, a lot of tackles by a linebacker, who knows? Uh, you know, I, I haven't watched all of the tape on Corey Littleton and, and what he did this year, but, you know, some of those could be down the field and, and after big plays, but he's an active player and he he makes some plays. He makes some plays in the past, past defense game. And I think he'd be a nice addition. And we talked about this on, on the show last night. The Bengals will have some space to play with. Corey Littleton isn't necessarily a household name. He's a very good he's a good player, and this would be one of the bigger acquisitions the Bengals would will have make made in outside free agency in recent years. But um, you know, it's still not a you know one of those just crazy names, but a, a guy that that would make you know move the needle a little bit and will help this team a lot. I think as uh, the defense needs some help. But what do you think the likelihood is that of that? is happening because I know a lot of people are very cynical about the Bengals and free agency as we're seeing in the comments. Uh, I, I, I feel like he, he's as likely as any, you know, type of mid-level starter that, that they could sign. And obviously the, the salary is what's going to come down to it. If they're willing to spend that money, just going back to his production, I'm pulling up his PFF grade. He had an 82.3 grading coverage. He had 45 stops and just one missed tackle. So this is a guy that definitely played his mind out in a contract year. And you have to wonder if they're going to be hesitant to get to reward him for, you know, just, just playing in the contract year, if he's going to continue and sustain that. I think just looking at the, just the rest of the free agent market for the linebacker position, especially considering that this draft class isn't as strong at that position as it was last year when you had two top dogs like Devin White and Devin Bush, and then guys like Pratt in the mid round. So It'll be interesting to see if they want to target an actual solid starter instead of relying on the draft at a position where you might not be able to get a starter in the draft. So somewhere around like, you know, five to six out of 10, I would say is reasonable. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I, I tend to agree there. I, I think, you know, linebacker is one of the bigger linebackers in the market isn't, you know, necessarily what the Bengals MO is in terms of outside free agency, but um, linebackers tend to be, especially, you know, kind of the not pass rushing edge three, four hybrid guys. Um, those aren't the guys that make a lot of money. So, whereas the edge rusher guys do. So, um, you know, that, that may be something where they do want to spend some money. It is one of their weaker areas of the defense, even though some improvement was shown at the end of the year. Uh, let's go here, John, to, uh, Douglas Strout at TCU, Doug. Of course, TCU Doug has a question about Andy Dalton. Uh, when would the Bengals need to trade Andy Dalton to maximize return, and what would the Bengals be able to get for him? Who are the likeliest trade partners? I like this question a lot. I actually thought about this one recently. Um, you know, I, I there are there are pros and cons as to when you deal Andy Dalton um, and when 
when you do not. Um, part of me says, you know, right now in these next couple of months, you may be able to get, you know, high value for him. Um, and, you know, get a team that, that just knows right away that they want a veteran guy. They don't want one of these guys in the draft and, and, you know, they, they like Andy Dalton. Maybe you'll be able to maximize the benefit. My thought is though, I think in terms of when they need to trade him, I think it's draft weekend. Um, you know, teams get frenzied around that time, maybe even free agency, you know, teams get frenzied around that time. They, they want to make moves. They want to, they feel like they missed out on a player. Maybe they didn't get the guy they wanted and, and what have you. So I, I think either free agency or at the onset of free agency or at the, at the onset of the draft, probably night one, night two, where you can get the highest pick possible. That has to be where you would net the biggest return for him, uh, in terms of timeline. Yeah, it, it all. It, it, there's no like set date or range of time where you would think you would get the maximum return. Because I remember, like the like the Broncos traded Flacco. I think before free agency, or the Broncos traded for Flacco before free agency started. I believe the the, the Washington uh, traded for Alex Smith, or or that, that that trade happened actually. I think a, a month before the league year started, and what couldn't even be officially announced. And both those returns, I think, are similar to what you expect for Dalton. Like they're probably going to start around like the second round range, and they're probably not going to get that bad. So they're going to move back to the third and fourth range. Maybe you get a like, conditional day three pick that can move up to a day two pick, and then the, the Dolphins trade for Josh Rosen right on draft day, like after they after they traded um or after they drafted Kyler Murray. So th- these things can happen any time during the offseason. I don't think. That if they wait, they're gonna hurt their chances, and I don't think getting it, you know, you know, making this trade as soon as possible is gonna maximize the the return that they can get. I think Dalton's value is pretty much established at this point, and I think it's it just takes the right team to do it. And it could be the Panthers who are moving on, you know, with new head coach and potentially moving off Cam Newton. It could be a team like the Chargers who are drafting a little bit later in the first round and they don't really know what to do with quarterback. The whole two situation as well. Because at the time of this recording, it's unclear if two, if uh, Tungo Vailoa is going to declare for the NFL draft. Right. If, if he stays, that that leaves you know Burrow, Justin Herbert as you know the only two guys that you would consider right at this point worthy first round picks at the quarterback position. So there's plenty of teams like the Colts, for for example, who aren't exactly sold on Jacoby Brissett. Plenty of teams, dark horse teams that are unsure about the court, the future of the quarterback position for their team, and a lot of other teams who are moving on from quarterbacks. This is going to be a, a crazy year for the quarterback carousel. So a lot of teams who now don't have the chance to draft Tua, that makes Andy Dalton that much more attractive. So the long you would think the longer you would wait, the more maximized return you can get. But at the same time, I think his value is pretty much established at this point, and it doesn't really matter when it happens. I got two destinations that one is not very likely and one is somewhat likely. They're not likely, but kind of sits with me a little bit for kind of a little bit of sarcastically comic comical reasons is the Buffalo Bills because these two teams swap players a lot. And hey, you know, Josh Allen is looking decent at times, but there are flaws in his game for sure. And uh, this is a big playoff series for him coming up here. So, uh, you know, they may want a veteran backup that really pushes Josh Allen, who would be entering, what, his third or fourth year uh, in 2020. So um, that may be one spot. But I think the one spot that may be sneaky in terms of who really would want him would be the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Um, you know, they may, they may want to move on from Derek Carr. Uh, the Gruden brothers have always liked Andy Dalton and John Gruden seems to, you know, he knows what his brother got out of him. Uh, and, and Andy Dalton has had more postseason success or, or getting a team to the postseason more successfully than Derek Carr. So uh, that's another team I would maybe keep an eye on Raiders. They they've got the picks they've, they've wheeled and dealed over the past couple of years. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something to, to maybe keep an eye on overall. I, you know, I don't think that the trade market will be that high. Where are we going next, John? So I want to go to the comments section. We have a comment from Facebook from Brad Howell and he asks, who will be responsible for stopping Lamar Jackson? Nobody on this year's team did. Well, look around the league. Nobody on anybody's team did except, I guess, the Browns for a game and a half. The thing about the like, like the Ra- Raiders fans can't re- reasonably ask themselves, how do we stop Patrick Mahomes? Like some players, they're they're just they're just transcended. They're just too good, and it's not about stopping them. It's just about keeping up. Because right now the Ravens are changing the game. Like they are, their whole process, their whole management style, their whole team building style, their whole their whole their whole franchise right now is changing the game. It's 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 the pinnacle of NFL success right now. They have every reason to, to we have every reason to believe that they are the Super Bowl favorites because they have the all pro first team all pro quarterback at the helm and he's doing things that we've never seen before at, at any level of the game. It's not like there's no magical, you know, player that we can that the Bengals can sign that's going to limit Lamar Jackson because he's just too good of an athlete and he's too multi-purposeful of an athlete to just stop with one player. It's not it's not. It's not going to be about acquiring talent to, to limit him. It's. It's about just keeping up with him. And yeah, there's. There's some schemes that can somewhat limit what he can do. And that's. And that's fine. But it's not going to. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen with the drafting or signing of a couple of players. It's just about keeping up with them on the scoreboard. You're not going to hold this def- You're not going to hold that team consistently to 20 points or under and expect your offense to. You know your underwhelming offense to keep up with them. You have to be. You have to match them possession for possession. You have to be aggressive. You can't expect to punt, you know, around midfield and expect to stop them for or limit them to just a field goal. He's just too good. And until proven otherwise, the, the answer to stop Lamar Jackson is to just score more points than him. Yeah. And I mean, you could get try and get cute. And I mean, there's not a player really like this in this year's draft that I know of. Maybe Delpit out of LSU, but kind of the what Palomalu, the position that's this rover hybrid linebacker safe I mean he was a safety but Paul Amalu was kind of a linebackerish player I mean they just said here we're taking the leash off you do whatever man and uh you know it worked very well for he's gonna have a hall of fame career um you know Ed Reed was very similar in that respect I would say Paul Amalu was a bit more physical of a player than Ed Reed was but um you know I would say a player like that you, where you just kind of say patrol the middle back part of the defense and you're kind of the spy rover guy. But, you know, there's not – those players are so few and far between to find. Right. It's it's hard to hard to match up with, with a guy like that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We'll get to a few more here. In just a minute, he's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. This is Listener Questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks for joining us via Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, the Orange and Black Insider YouTube page. Uh, thanks for getting to us on Cincy Jungle on the uh, the comment thread. We got a couple there, but unfortunately, we've uh, kind of answered those questions both today and on the week's episode. But keep them, keep them coming there. You can call or text us, 949-542-6241. Shoot us an email, theobinsider at gmail.com. Tweet us at Bengals OBI. Uh, we'll be taking a few more questions here as we go on. And as always, you can get the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it on Megaphone, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and CincyJungle.com. Did I pick the last one, John, or did you? I don't. I don't know. Uh, that, that was me. That was me. Okay. I think you're, you're up. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this one from Good Buddy Sam Anger uh, on Facebook. Who's who's looking all buff in his profile pic there, uh, right, boys? Here's one. Here's one for you both. What are your thoughts on Burrow being a super superstar in just one year? I understand that he has incredible intangibles and everything that a team wants, but his experience does concern me a little bit. Not total. Not totally. Would like to know your thoughts. And John, many congrats on the Senior Bowl, mate. Uh, first of all, Sam, good to hear from you, man. He's he's across the pond. He's a good dude. Um, what do you think about that, John, about uh, immediate stardom for a guy like Joe Burrow? Is that in the cards, especially with a team that is uh, not always the most – doesn't always have the most solid foundation in the Cincinnati Bengals? I think it's better for him to end his career on a high, new, high note than actually having a great year in his junior year and then kind of dwindling off into his sophomore year. That's kind of like the uh, – or excuse me, his senior year. That's kind of the trajectory that we saw from Jameis Winston. And I think – you know, we talked about this in the past. There, there were a handful of games in Burrow's 2018 season in a, you know, that old-fashioned, you know, pre-Joe Brady LSU offense where Burrow looked fantastic, and I think Pro Football Focus graded him above 85 in four of those games. Specifically, towards the end of the towards the end of LSU season, he was on a hot streak, and that's why they ended up being UCF and whatever bowl game that they played. But the the important thing is he does have two years of starting experience. Yes, it's clear that the the shift in offensive philosophy from the LSU that we've all come to know to Joe Brady's LSU offense was just a miracle worker. And, and it really maximized what Burrow could do. It's important that he has those two years of starting experience because it's very rare for just true one-year starters to paint out in the NFL. And Kyler Murray could very well be the exception to that rule. And Cam Newton was also the exception to the rule. But the important thing is that Burrow took, spent three years of being a backup and took his chance to transfer to LSU to actually be a starter. So in his second year of starting, you saw immense growth from him in a season that we really haven't seen in the modern era of college football in general. And I think that's the more important to look at than just the fact that he did have that one year starting because he did take some momentum from last year and then translate into this Heisman caliber season that we saw this year. And it's not like, I don't think it came out completely out of nowhere. Like, like, like we talked about with those games in 2018, but the, I think the growth in general is more important, and the fact that he does have two years of starting experience that doesn't make him, you know, some type of red flag that it would be for other quarterbacks. 
You know, I I keep saying he's the guy that has the the highest floor and a and still a, a pretty dang high ceiling. You know, he's a guy that uh, just has kind of ice in his veins and can can do a lot of stuff. You know, maybe there there are some uh, physical limitations that other quarterbacks. He doesn't have the far of Aaron Rodgers' arm. I, I think we all concede that, but. Um, you know, I, I, the a lot of the tools are there, and uh, the the IQ and the head is there. You know, to 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 lead a team, and I really like that. And you know, this team has pieces. This team has pieces. It needs a lot of pieces and a lot of help as well. But it has the star running back. They may get their star wide receiver back in AJ Green. They've got another good one in Tyler Boyd. They've, you know, they've got CJ Ozama, who's a decent tight end, potentially bringing back Tyler Eifer. I mean, they, they can, they've got some stuff around him. If they solidify the offensive line and just get to the, if the defense is middle of the pack in all areas, you know, I, I think that this team could be immediately competitive and, and Burrow could be a household name right away. Uh, but a lot of ifs there as we, as we all know with the Bengals, where are we going next, John? So someone asked, um, a further question. Oh, yeah. So from Facebook, Michael Focus, I think is how you pronounce it. How do you trust that production to carry over into the NFL? And he's talking about, bro. You don't. Like, the, like 5,500 passing yards and 58 touchdowns and six interceptions, that's it's not sustainable in the NFL. We've never seen that production in the NFL. It's like the the accuracy on all three levels of the field, That's it, it's it's such a an anomaly in terms of just college quarterbacks. You don't trust that level of production over to the NFL, especially considering the fact that rookie quarterback seasons are very untelling of future NFL success. There's been plenty of quarterbacks who have gone on to have great careers that just don't do do very well in the rookie years. And, you know, you don't expect that production to come out of the gate like that. And it may never, you know, achieve that volume that we saw in LSU again. And it'll be interesting to see how he grows out of, you know, playing out of Joe Brady's system. But, College production for quarterbacks is incredibly important. There's rarely been any cases of of players who don't, you know, have a certain percentage of don't have a certain completion percentage, don't have a certain touch interception ratio compared to, to the era that they played in that have haven't gone on to have successful NFL careers. Just having that production is very important. You don't expect that level of production to carry over, but you do expect a solid NFL career at the very least for someone who who proved to be that productive against that type of strength of schedule. So that's the important thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We, we have time for just a couple more here. Uh, there's there's a lot. There's been a lot of questions, both via email and in the live chat. I think there was a – let's see. Um, uh, a text from Todd Edwards from Scranton, PA. Where the off where the office is set. Uh, so tell Michael Scott hello, Todd, if you get the chance. Um, he's asking, you know, uh, again, compliments us on the show. Appreciate that. That's very nice of you. Um, if you do draft Joe Burrow, do you believe we need to bring in a specific offensive coordinator or offensive system to have success? Uh, I hear a lot of people attribute some of his success to Joe Brady. Um, can Joe Brady come to to Cincinnati? There are a couple of other people's in the a couple other people in the live um, live chats. I think it was Billy Bragg and others kind of saying, you know, what, why not bring him over? We talked a little bit about this on the weekly episode, I, I think, John. But uh, you know, is there a, is there a a place for Brady? Do you do you 
do you make a passing game coordinator, a consultant, or I mean, what, is there a place for him? Because I, ju- I just don't see, especially if Bill Callahan is potentially coming over to Cincinnati. We talked about that as an as an opportunity for the team to get better, especially on the offensive line. They're not going to get rid of his son if they're bringing in his dad. That's just going to be not. It's going to make the inner workings not not <laughs> go very well. Right. But, I mean, is there a, a spot? for Joe Brady if you draft Joe Burrow is it just kind of a package deal or do you trust the kid to be to work outside of that system or that you can run a system similar to what Joe Brady has created at LSU for him well for starters they would be just stupid to ignore the concepts that that Burrow works well with and just not implement that into their own offense I, I believe it was the middle of the season where Taylor said when he when he watches college football, he he, he focuses on the offensive schemes that they run. And he likes, I, I believe, he said it was Lincoln Riley's system at Oklahoma that he takes a lot of their concepts, a lot of their route concepts and their schemes, and he tries to implement them in into his offense. It would be stupid to draft a quarterback and not realize the things that he does well and not try to implement that into their own scheme. The problem, though, is Zach Taylor's an offensive coach. They have Brian Callen, an offense coordinator. He's a quarterback's coach. They have Alex Van Pell. He's a quarterback's coach. There's a lot of a lot of those guys on staff already that already are in those positions. And the fact that the, that the, the head of the coaching staff is an offensive guy, it's weird to take Brady who was just recently in the NFL and not to him, but give him like a lateral move into an NFL team as more of like an advisor role. When I, I believe it was uh, Don Martindale who was getting um, buzz about p- potentially being a, a head coach somewhere. And he said his choice at offense coordinator would be Joe Brady. There's no doubt that or Brady's work, and, and one year at LSU could give him an opportunity to be an offensive coordinator or just a play caller in general in the NFL. And I think he would be more inclined to take that and leave LSU for a role like that instead of going to, to Cincinnati to just be, you know, Joe Burrow's best friend on a staff that already has a bunch of these guys that want yeah. to implement their own system with him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, a lateral move just because it's the pros doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, I'm seeing a lot of one specific topic that uh, we could potentially end on, John, but unless you've got one specific, uh, another one maybe you want to get to uh, before before we get out of here. I had, a, I had more of a, a long-winded one, so uh, let's go, go with your question. No, no, go for it. Go for it. Oh, well, we had a question from Twitter from Jeff Johnson 73 and he basically asked, which okay. guys um, who are impending freedoms will we want to see back? So, uh, for starters, the, the guy that I was not, not you know most worried about but a guy I was worried about was Trey Hopkins I I think that was a great signing to do on the last day of the season I believe they did that in terms of timing where it's not going to affect much of the 2020 cap dollars so a lot of that money is like prorated or already paid out or whatever but th- they did that at, at, on last Saturday for a reason and I believe it was a smart move to make it's now getting uh, 20 million in, in new money about 6 million a year and I think only a four of that is uh, guaranteed so a great signing for a, a player who I expect to just get a little bit better. But just looking at the rest of these rest of these guys, you have Dark West Denard, Tyler Eifert, AJ Green, obviously, Nick Vigil, Andrew Billings, Josh Tupo. Most of these guys are not going to be back, I think, for the most part, because they're pretty expendable and they were with the previous regime. But you'd obviously love to see AJ Green back on, on a deal that fits him. You would definitely like to see Dark West Denard back on some type of a multi-year deal. He definitely earned it. He had one of the most productive seasons for a slot cornerback this year. The Tyler Eifert question is, is weird because, you know, if you can keep offering him one-year deals every year and he accepts them, you would just do that because you still can't trust him to give him a full workload and make it through 16 games. 
Um, Nick Vigil is another guy that you would want to offer a one-year deal, a guy that you wouldn't, you know, confirm him to be a starter next year, next year, but just keep him in the plans just in case because of the things he showed towards later part of this year. Josh Tupo versus Andrew Billings is a decent debate because I think Tupo has played just as good, if not better, than Billings this year, and he's also a restricted free agent, while Billings is an unrestricted free agent. But those are the guys, along with uh, Clayton Fedulum, and um, yeah, I, I would say those handful of guys are guys that I, I want to bring back and on those type of deals that I mentioned. Yeah, hard to disagree. By the way, they, the most important part of Jeff Johnson's tweet is, hey, guys, love the show. Um, so appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, no, but, uh, in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with what you just said there. And Hopkins was, you know, Hopkins is one of, uh, those, the linchpins of this offensive line. And now you can kind of build around that. It does potentially seal the fate of Billy price. Um, you know, he, he is not the team center going forward. If anybody had any doubts about that, um, that's not happening. So maybe he, he'll work he'll be a guy they look at as a guard, but uh, his future is not looking bright, but I, I like the Eifert thing. Again, you got to be careful on how you structure that deal. Um, I just, I think that he, he can be a quarterback's best friend, especially a new quarterback. I mean, that's just a guy you just, you know, security blanket. I, I, that's who he is. And he's a guy you use in the red zone, you use in the middle of the field. And that's, that's, a, a guy, I think, if you get back on a on a good deal, he seems to like being in Cincinnati, despite the losing, despite the injuries he's had there. He seems to like being a Cincinnati Bengal, and um, you know, I I think he, I don't want to say he'll give a hometown discount, but um, you know, I, I think he, he could be had for a reasonable deal, and that's a guy I'd like to see see back. Um, we're gonna get out of here on this last one here. Just FYI, there's a lot of people. Uh, in the live comment section of Cincy Jungle, they're asking questions we've kind of talked about either today or on last night's show. There was someone saying, you know, it was PW saying, recall and share your and share your favorite moment from Sam Weish. We talked quite a bit about that on our weekly show. Um, and then we, we talked a little bit both in past episodes and a little bit today about Joe, Joe Burrow not, uh, not wanting to play for the Bengals. But the big question that's kind of, asked in multiple different ways on multiple different platforms. Are the Bengals going to screw up the number one pick and what's it going to take for them to uh, potentially, what, what does a team need to give them to get out of that pick? Obviously it's going to take an arsenal of picks for me quickly, John. I mean, I don't have a rundown. I need to look at, you know, that, that pick value chart type of, you know, how. No, you don't. Oh, I mean, you can look at that, but if, a trade is to be made. It would take quite a bit of high picks. And for me, I think the need, this is why a Dolphins trade for me doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they've already given up quite a few of their important players. You need a, You would need a veteran guy who is a proven guy at a position that you absolutely need along with all of these picks. But to me, just, just keep the pick. Just keep the pick and take the quarterback. I mean, that's... If you guys keep speaking this into existence, maybe they might maybe they might screw it up. Maybe they might take Chase Young and, and, and you know keep this franchise back another five years. Like guys, it's a layup. It's 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 an uncontested layup. All nine other players are on the other side of half court. You have the ball. You're taking two steps. Just put it off the backboard. Make the pick. Like there's no there's, no, there's nothing the trade value chart can tell us that can right. that can say yeah the, this is this is worth it. If 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 we're if we're gonna entertain this idea, it's gonna need enough picks for the next two years, in these next two drafts, for the Bengals to comfortably, confidently 
trade back up in the top five and take another quarterback. They need a goddamn quarterback, and they have the opportunity to take one. Just take the pick. They're not going to mess this up unless you keep talking about it. Right. And look, since 2016, uh, what, what was that? Seven and nine. Yeah. They were six, six, nine, and one the year after that. Then you had uh, six and 10 in 2018. You had two wins this year. They're not winning games, guys. They're not putting points on the board. You can accrue it to injuries. You can call it all, you know, you can say all you want about that stuff. It's just, it, they're not winning games. And they're not winning games with who they felt was their established guy at the most important position on the team. Is it a little unfair that Andy Dalton gets blamed for other areas of the team? Yeah. And the injuries? Sure. Yeah, it's a little unfair. But that comes with that position. And when you have a guy at that position that can carry a team, you can overcome these things a bit more easy. You can overcome the injuries along the offensive line a bit more easy. You can overcome the deficiencies on defense. You talked about the Lamar Jackson thing with the question earlier, John. Sometimes the best way to beat one of the best guys in the league at quarterback is to just score more freaking points. So the Bengals aren't doing that. They're not doing that. So they need to get a guy, you know, someone today. What if Chase Young is the next Lawrence Taylor? Okay. But, I mean. Fantastic. It doesn't solve their problems. Right. I, I mean, J.J. Watt doesn't have a ring. Uh, you know, Khalil Mack doesn't have a ring. So, I don't know, guys. It's just I understand the hesitancy, but you go back to 03. Bengals had the number one overall pick. They didn't screw that one up. They got they got the quarterback. Granted, that what they did after the fact, they ended up screwing up that relationship, but they didn't screw the pickup. So to me, it's just take the guy. It's it's always a risk, no matter who you take in the draft, especially with a high pick, but you gotta just roll with it. You gotta just roll with it. Anything else we need to get to, John? I, I think. I, I mean, I think I think you blew your top there. You were just <laughs> ah, you got the the, the Hulk coming out of you there. Uh, this is this has been listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks everybody for all your questions and comments and everything. Uh, we we love not only receiving the comments and the the compliments are awesome too. We we that's amazing that you guys feel that way about our show. But um, uh, we love the interaction between fans too. You know, some some fans ask a question in the in the comments section and then it. This whole debate ensues between the the two platforms we're on, which is really awesome. And uh, you know, not only is this about us answering questions for you guys, it's it's kind of a way for you guys to hang out, and that's what we want out of this this listener questions live episode. You can get this show, as I mentioned, really wherever you get your audio podcast. So subscribe to our channels, download it when you can. Try and join us live for all the episodes that we record here on cincyjungle.com as well as our YouTube channel and on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. We also have another, uh, a couple of other podcasts within the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, Orange is the New Black, as well as Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk. So check those out as well. Those guys are doing some great stuff that's a little different from what we're doing too, which is cool. So we're bringing you a full slate. Have a good weekend. Let's try and uh, let's try and now relax a little bit after we get we got a little heated at the end there. Let's try and relax a little bit. <laughs> oh boy! Well, enjoy what's coming for the offseason. Should be a very interesting one. We look forward to the Senior Bowl coverage that John is going to bring us. Also, John, what the other thing I was going to mention that I was that was slipping my mind at the beginning was that you were going to make a podcast appearance. Apparently. Uh, Cam, 
Coach Cam Chancellor, not not Cam Chancellor I, in the I, NFL. I, I wasn't disappointed, but I was a little shocked that it wasn't the actual Cam Chancellor. But no, um, Joe, Joe Goodberry was on his podcast last week, and I have the pleasure of joining his podcast this Sunday. So that'll be up, um, like I don't know, uh, Sunday afternoon or Monday, and I'll retweet it from my account. So check that out when it comes, becomes available. Cool. Well, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today